I'm like real strong for some reason. Yo! Hello! We do have a live event on version, so you can follow right along with your notes under identity. Um, initially, I was going to end our uh, sermon series with, with the word that the Lord gave to Pastor Steve. But um, something that's been stirring actually for the past two weeks, I actually have a word uh, about identity that I kind of wanted to end on. So uh, if you're uh, following along on version or you're following along on our screens, if you take notes, up to you or not, uh, the title of this message is called Our Identity as a Warrior. So let me just pray. So God, we just thank you, Father, that you have been speaking to us in this most powerful way about identity, and God, and who we are in you, and God, and what, God, you've called us to do. And Lord, we thank you, Father, that, that there would be no mistake that you have called us, and that you've set us apart, and that you love us. And Lord, we thank you as we go into your word, that Lord, that you would just speak in a most powerful way to us, that we would leave this place knowing that, God, that you spoke to us. We ask for this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right. I've been having this word kind of in my spirit here for, for, like I said, about two weeks. And so, um, seeing that it's Valentine's Day, it's all fitting and well for us to say, I'm going to tell us to, this morning to fight for what you love. Fight for what you love. Quick small history lesson. February 14th, okay, this day was set apart to commemorate, I don't see many of you probably don't even know this, St. Valentine who was martyred for his faith by Emperor Claudius II in 270 A.D. February 14th was a day to to commemorate a man whose devotion to his God and who was willing to die as a martyr. Because back in in uh, uh, in, uh, Emperor Claudius during his reign, he didn't like Christians, and so either you converted to pagan... um, Romanism, or, or you were persecuted for your faith. So this guy was thrown into prison, and uh, history has it that as he was in prison, he like led like 45 people t- to Jesus. He healed somebody, like just powerful, powerful, this guy. And, and then he was executed because of his faith. So we have this day that's called Valentine's Day, where uh, at, back in the early, uh, early 18th century England, uh, is where it started to becoming about, well, this is a day that you show love and affection to your lover by giving gifts, you know, flowers and all these other things. But it started out as a day that the church commemorated a man who, who gave his life for the Lord. So we're saying all that to say, fight for what you love. Fight for what you love. I've been thinking a lot about this, this word. This actually word has been, it's been emanating in my spirit and, and it's found in Judges chapter 6 and verse 12. And this is the word of the Lord that I believe that I'm going to speak over vision because this is the word of the Lord I believe He has for this body. And it's this, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Let me say that again. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's with you. Let's actually read about what's going on here. If you got your Bibles, turn your Bibles to Judges chapter 6. We're going to read verse 11 through 24. We're going to read the account of Gideon. It's also going to be on the screen so you can follow right along. 
When you get there, say amen. amen. If you're looking at the screen, you can say amen. amen. You know, back in the days before we had all this technology, my wife and I, we used to actually race to see who could get to the scripture faster. Doesn't happen all too often because usually one's preaching and the other's, are you there already? <laughs> and one is usually sitting, but we used to actually flip, we'd say go, and we'd flip to try to get there. Isn't that silly? It's like, so dumb. My wife and I are not competitive at all, you know, just come over and play Katan with us, I'm telling you, not competitive at all whatsoever. That's all sarcastic, by the way. Verse 11, let's go ahead and read. Verse 11, Judges chapter 6, verse 11 through 24, we're reading out of the NIV. It says, the angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in uh, Orif the, that belonged to Joash, the Ab- Abzanite, fun, right, all those guys? where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Okay? If you, if you don't know anything about a wine press, it's meant for wine. It's not meant for grain. Why would, someone, why would he be treading out grain in a wine press? What's that? No, not to ruin it. To hide. Who said that? Yeah, to hide. He's obviously, they're afraid of the Midianites, so he's, he's, he's doing this in a place that's where nobody can see. So he's hiding. Perfect. Here we go, let's continue on. When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Verse 13. Pardon me, my Lord, Gideon replied, but if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Sounds kind of like a lot of people nowadays. Well, if God is real, then why does he allow all this to happen? It's okay to say that. Gideon said that. Why has all this happened to us? Where are all the wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, did not the Lord bring us out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. The Lord turned and said to him, go in the strength, you have and save Israel out of Midian's hand. Am I not with you? Here we go. Let's keep going here. Am I not with you, he says. Pardon me. I like how, how Gideon is so respectful. <laughs> Pardon me, my lord, Gideon replied. But how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh. And I am the least in my family. Sounds a little bit like Moses, right? When God called Moses and Moses is like, Hey, I stutter. How am I going to talk? Please do not go away. Or or here we go. Skip the line. Sorry. Gideon replied, Now if I found favor in your eyes, give me sight that is really you talking to me. Please do not go away until I come back and bring my offering and set it before you. And the Lord said, I will wait until you return. Gideon went inside, prepared a young goat from an epaph of flour he made bread without yeast, putting the meat in a basket and its broth in a pot, brought them out and offered them under the oak tree. The angel of the Lord said to him, take the meat and the unleavened bread, place them on this rock and pour out the broth. And Gideon did so. Then the angel of the Lord touched the meat and the leavened bread with the tip of his staff that was in his hand, 
and fire flared from the rock, consuming the meat and bread, and the angel of the Lord disappeared. Say disappeared. Okay. When Gideon realized that it was the angel of the Lord, he exclaimed, Alas, sovereign Lord, I have seen an angel of the Lord face to face. But the Lord said to him, Peace, do not be afraid. You are not going to die. Let me tell you this, friends. When you see the Lord face to face or, or in this uh, type of, of, of setting, that's usually what happens is people they think they're going to die. You can ask, uh, ask Samson's parents. They thought the same thing. So Gideon built an altar to the Lord there and called it, The Lord is Peace. And to this day, it stands in this place. Okay, that actual word, the Lord is peace, is what? Jehovah Shalom. Was Jehovah known as Shalom before this point? No, he wasn't. We get, we get the term, you know, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Rapha, what? Jehovah Shalom. We get that out of what? The experience that Gideon had with the Lord. And so now we sing songs, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Jireh. But he had an experience and an encounter with the Lord, and he said, Jehovah Shalom. Friends, let me tell you this. When you have an encounter with God, you will see God in a perspective you have not seen Him before. Wake up, friends. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. But the funny thing is, is when he said that, what was Gideon doing? I love how Gideon is afraid of the Midianites and treading out the grain in the wine press. He even says, hey, God, do you have the right guy? Did he not say that? He said, I'm the least, I'm a part of the, the smallest tribe and I'm the least of my clan. I'm the smallest and you're, and you're coming out to me and you're saying, mighty warrior? Friends, this is the thing. The Lord sees us for who we are. He sees us for what is in us. He doesn't see us for what we've done or what we're doing. I'm going to say that again. Okay, friends, when the Lord, when He looks at you, He sees us for who we are. He sees what's inside of us. He doesn't see us for what we've done or what we're doing now. He didn't look at Gideon and say, this Israelite who's afraid and, and treading out the grain in the wine press, he's not in any way, shape, or form, capable of being a warrior. No, God looked inside of him and saw that warrior spirit inside of him. And what did he do? He called it out and he said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Are you getting this? The Lord is saying that to many of us today. We may have been beaten up, busted up. The, the, The world slapped us back and forth. And we may feel like we're a victim But the Lord is looking at you and seeing what's inside of you today and saying, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's with you. He's with you. This is why the Bible says in Psalm verse 42 and verse 7, it says, deep calls unto deep, the roars of your waterfalls, all of your waves are breaking, have swept over me. What? The deep Our deep God calls out to the deep things that are inside of you. And he calls them up. Obviously, Gideon needed some confirmation. God showed up in a powerful way. And then on top of that, if you know the rest of the story of Gideon, Gideon put out a few fleeces out there. He's like, I just want to make sure, I want to make sure that I want to make sure that I want to make sure that you're calling the right guy. If you want me to do this, God... And he pulls out a few, we call it, he, he, 
he puts out a fleece. Why? Because he actually put a fleece out there. He said, you know what, God, if you're really calling me, then here, I'm going to put this fleece out there, make the ground wet, and keep it dry. And it happened. And he said, okay, that's not really good enough. And so just to make sure you're calling me, just want to make sure. I'm going to put the fleece out there, and I want it to be damp and the ground dry. And it absolutely was. He was able to take the fleece and, and squeeze out and pour it out all kinds of water. Because sometimes we don't even believe what the Lord sees in us. Friends, sometimes we don't even see what God sees in us. And so we're like, are you sure, God? Are you sure, God? Did you pick the right boy for this one? Did you pick the right lady for this one? Are you sure? Are you sure? Are you sure? Did you get the right? That's what it, isn't that what Gideon's saying? Are you sure, God? Are you sure you got the right boy here? Does God make mistakes? Absolutely not. God knows exactly who he picks. And friends, the Lord has chosen you. You're in the house today because he's chosen you. He calls out to you. The Lord has a word of the Lord for you today, and it is this. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. He looks at you. Calls into the deep things. God, call, he calls out to that which is deep inside of us. Friends, the world sees a frightened Israelite hiding his food. The Lord sees a mighty warrior. What does the world see when, he looks at, when the world looks at you? Because I guarantee you, it's not the same thing that God sees when he looks at you. What do you see when you look in the mirror? I guarantee you, it's not the same thing that God sees when he looks at you. Can you receive this word today? I don't want, I, not just a good message where, man, that was good, pat you on the back, high five, Pastor Josh. No, friends, I, I'm speaking a prophetic word over you to receive in the name of Jesus. You have to receive this. Friends, when God, when he looks at, this is part of identity, when he looks at us, he sees not what we see. When he looks at us, he sees beyond what people would label us. He looks beyond our indifference. He looks beyond our frailties, our failures, our fears. He looks beyond all those things, and he goes to the very de depths of our soul, and he calls things that are not as though they are because he sees it in us. He didn't have to talk Gideon into being what he called him to be. No, he called him out to what he was. He said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Not afraid Israelite who's hiding his food. Mighty warrior. He's calling out to us today. Friends, how many of us know that we are in a war? The Lord is calling us up. Friends, we are in a war for our souls. Do you know that? We're in a war. The Lord is calling us up. Men and, women of, men and women of God, friends, we are in a war every single day for our minds. We are in a war, friends, every single day for our faith. Friends, the enemy of our souls, he does not sleep, he does not slumber, his name is Satan, and he wars to take dominance and dominion over our hearts, and he does it sometimes in, in a way that, that's very obtrusive, other times it's very subtle. And he'll start etching away at our hearts, He'll start etching away at our character. He'll start etching away to see if he can get a foothold. What's a foothold? The best illustration I've ever heard of a foothold is when you crack open the door and, and if you put your foot in the crack of a door, you can't shut the door. Have you ever had that happen? Have you ever tried to keep somebody out and they stuck their foot right in the door and you couldn't shut the door? It's a fight then. It's funny that such a small little thing can keep a big, huge door cracked open. 
And if the devil can get a foothold, if you crack the door open just slightly enough for him, well, I'm playing with the sin a little bit. I'm going to open the door to it. And he gets a foothold. What does it do? It gives him the capacity to come right on in. And so any way, shape, or form, friends, understand this. The enemy is at war with each and every one of us every day. Every day, it's a fight for your mind. Do you know that? If you don't know that, it's probably why you're walking in defeat every day. Because he's, he's busting on you and you're allowing him to do so. He's relentless. And so that's why, and we're going to get into it in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 10 in a little bit. But friends, it's a relentless fight. We're in a war every single day and that's why the Lord has called us to be mighty warriors. We've got to know that we're at war. We're at war. Look at your neighbor and say, we're at war. Look at your other neighbor and say, we're at war. There's this song by Tadashi. i got a video I'm going to play. It's just for four minutes. If you can go ahead and uh, fix your attention to the screens because he, he kind of says this in a, in a way that's a little bit better than I can say it. I hear so many Christians murmuring about their imperfections and their failures and their addictions and their shortcomings. And I see so little war. Murmur, murmur, murmur. Why am I this way? Make war! Bang with me, for bang, bang, for bang with me. No more playing games like this. This thing can get risky. So man, if you in Christ, take up your cross quickly. Feelings on the front line, time to come with it. Hey. Wake up and let's get it I ain't even in the ring, they throwing bows like Riddick Oh, persistently attacking me, they even in the back of me You see the fighter lose my life and I can't take this passiveness So what you think I'm about to do? I'm about to do what I can do Trust the one who got me through and fight like it was after school Never giving up, steady, standing on the battlefield Beat firm to the ground like I stepped on Chapel Hill Flesh feeling frisky, sin persuades and tempts me Satan cheers me on 
Like that rock to with you from way back Listen to it ASAP Like you do a LaCrecia I'm spinning in visions and put on walls like a wake up Sinning now we don't play that That's the way that I say that I'm filled with the spirit and tell them dog this is payback You begin to drop it, a carbon copies of Christ Conform to his written image, you should be shining a light Not you not, why is that? It's if that has been gripping you Cause you scared they'll be dissing you Flipping birds while they spit at you If you not, why is that? we are in a war. We're in a war for our families. We're in a war for our faith. We're in a war for our marriages. We're in a war for our children. We're in a war for our peace. We're in a war for our future. We're in a war for our world. The Bible says, it says, the God of this age has blinded the eyes of the unbelievers. Friends, we are at war in this place. If you've chosen the side of righteousness, if you've said, God, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your, I'm your son, I'm your daughter, then you know what you've done? You've enlisted yourself in a war that's been waged far bef- before you were even a twinkle in your mom's eye. And it's been the war for men and women. It's been, it's been the war for souls. And so he will do whatever it takes to ensnare us so that we walk away or that we turn our back on God. The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's with you. This is why we're instructed to put on the full armor of God in Ephesians chapter 6. If you've got your Bibles, turn your Bibles. We're going to read verse 10 through 18 in Ephesians chapter 6. It's also going to be up on the screens for those of us that uh, didn't bring our Bible this morning. That's okay. But it's, it's probably a good idea to bring your Bible to church. <laughs> it's a good idea. Okay. I think it's a good idea. Verse 10. Finally be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Say His mighty power. When the Lord says, when He calls you a mighty warrior, He's not talking about how tough you are. He's not talking about how you can hit somebody with a left hook. He's talking about His power in and through you. Finally, be strong in the Lord and His mighty power. Again, say His mighty power. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God. Say full armor. So that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle, another translation says, our wrestle. We wrestle not against. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against. Okay, so there is a struggle going on, and it's against what? It's against the rulers against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Say, our struggle is against the devil. Come on, Bishop. You know that's the truth. There it is. Therefore, say therefore, 
Put on the full armor of God so you don't get busted up. <laughs> Come on. Isn't that the truth? You can sit there and take a whooping, or you can put on the full armor of God and keep on ticking. Put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, say, it's coming, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all of this, take up your shield of faith with which to extinguish all, say all, of the flaming arrows of the evil one. What extinguishes the flaming arrows? Our faith. So if you have little faith, you extinguish little fiery arrows. And if you have bigger faith, my friends, you can block a whole lot more arrows. That's why we need to have, help me in my unbelief, Lord. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. So you don't just put on the... I like how he gives a little bit of instruction at the end of that. It's not that you put on the full armor of God and then you go sit on the sideline and take a nap. (laughs) No, you put on the full armor of God because you're engaging in warfare. And he says this. He says, be alert. And always keep praying. Be alert. Jesus said this. He said that if a man knew that he was going to be robbed, would he allow it to happen? No. He says a thief comes what? When nobody expects it. When nobody's at home. So when is the enemy going to attack you? When you're at your strongest point? Well, maybe. But most likely not. Okay? He has no art of war. He's going to attack you at your weakest point. He's going to attack you when you feel down and busted and you had a hard day and when you're weak. That's how he rolls. Friends, we are in a warfare against perversion, against pride, against selfishness, against addiction, against deception, against disease. We're in a fight against these things. Friends, these things wage war against us. When I say disease, I was just, you know, I was thinking of some things that, that wage war against our, our physical man. I was thinking of things that are like, I just think of man just like in our day and age, like how many people that I know that are dying to cancer and people that have diabetes and, and people that have uh, heart disease and all these things. And I'm like, man, there is a physical war against people. Do you know that? I've known so many people die, dying of these things. It's It's ridiculous. Some of them are preventable. Do you know that? I'm going to get off on a side. Do you know some are preventable? Do you know what the leading cause of, of heart disease is? The leading cause? Smoking. Do you know that, that for the most part, diabetes is preventable? Do you know that? But why is there such this war wage? Because, friends... Because what's happened is we have become people that we want to indulge in in everything and expect that there's going to be no consequences to it. There's consequences when we sin. There's consequences when when we treat our bodies like we don't love them. And I say this in their most respectful way. Friends, if we love our bodies, we've got to take care of ourselves. I'm preaching to myself, exercise more, Hester. Uh, 
<laughs> and my wife said, with your wife. Some fights are easy fights. Some of them are hard. Some of the most fights that happen are the fights that happen for our mind and for our, for our soul. And those are the harder fights. But for the most part, if you can win the battle here, and you can win the battle here, you can win the battle everywhere else. Anybody here ever, uh, and this has nothing to do, I didn't even put this, anybody ever watch uh, The Biggest Loser? Have you ever seen that? Anybody ever watch those? We used to, I used to really like watching that. And it's funny how that uh, a lot of the people, their physical condition, actually they would have to get to the psyche of what was really going on. That there was something that was, that was, that was a mental, that, that was emotional, that caused external. And that's what happens for the most part. But if we, can get, if, we can win the, if we can win the battle in our mind, if we can win the battle for our spirit, then, friends, we can win the battle in other places. We're to fight for what we love. Friend, fight for your relationship with God. Fight for that. If there's a fight worth fighting for, fight for your relationship with God, please. If your relationship with God is not proactive, then it will become inactive. Because guess what? The enemy, that's, that's the main thing. If he can keep you from being connected with God, then friends, he can get you, he can get you ensnared and trapped. The sad thing is, is that many of us know how to fight in the flesh, but friends, we don't know how to fight in the spirit. We can go toe-to-toe like, like in uh, Street Fighter right here with a person. We know how to fight in the flesh. But we don't know how to fight in the spirit. That's pretty jacked up. How do we fight in the Spirit? 2 Corinthians chapter 10. We're going to read verse 3 through 5. What did it say? It says, it says um, with the full armor of God, what is the sword of the Spirit? What's the sword of the Spirit? It says, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So part of the way that we fight back against the enemy, okay, a sword is not a defensive weapon. I'm not an idiot. I know that. It's an offensive weapon. And so what do you do with an offensive weapon? Come on. You attack with it. You don't pick your nose with it. You don't sit there and play with it. You don't see how many times you can flip it without cutting yourself. No. You don't use it to to, uh, the person sitting next to you to start jabbing them in the side, saying, hey, you need some of this. No. You use the sword to fight the enemy. You don't use the sword against your brother. Uh-oh. <laughs> use the sword against the enemy, which is the word of God. Paul's going to give us a little bit of information here. A little bit of instruction. Say instruction. How many of us like to be instructed? I much more prefer pictures over words, but that's okay. The Bible wasn't written in pictures. It was written in words. If I had my way, I would probably have lived back in the day of Egypt where all the words were were pictures. So I like pictures. Okay? The Lord knew I needed to be here now. Here we go. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 through 5. This is in the Amplified Version. It says, uh, For though we walk or live in the flesh, we do not carry on our warfare according to the flesh and use mere human weapons. For the weapons of our warfare are not physical. Weapons of flesh and blood, 
but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. Say strongholds. Inasmuch as we refute arguments and theories and reasoning and every proud and lofty thing, because the friends, I don't know about you, but that's what sets itself up against God, is the pri- proud and lofty things. Have you ever had, have you ever had a debate with, with an atheist? Say proud and lofty things. For the most part, they're pr- pretty cocky. Any of the ones I've talked with too. There's a lot of cocky Christians too, but that's beyond, beyond the point. Pretty messed up. Here we go. Against all of the uh, lofty things that set itself up against the true knowledge of God, and we lead every thought and purpose away captive to the obedience of Christ, the Messiah, the Anointed One. So he's saying that, you know what, our, the, the way that we fight are the, are the weapons that the Lord gives. And what does he say? I like at the end how he says, basically, that we take every thought obedient to the to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why would he say that? Because he's saying that the battle that is waging is in our mind. The battle that wages is in our heart. And so we take thoughts captive. We demolish strongholds. Every proud thing, everything that is not of God, we do that with the word of the Lord. If it doesn't line up with God's word, then most likely, friends, it's not of God. We've got to line it up with God's word. We've got to know his word. We gotta take thoughts captive. Because if he can have your mind, then he can have your he can have your actions, he can have your life, he can have your family. That's why we gotta that's why the, the fight is for the mind. That's why Paul gives instruction to the Corinthians and talks about this. Friends, part of, of winning the battle is winning the battle in our minds. This is fighting in the spirit. Because we have to have an understanding that we don't come from a place of brokenness. Friends, when we fight in the Spirit, we come from a place of victory. Because we, because Christ has already paid for it. He's already won it. The Bible says that He made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. He made a public spectacle, a mockery of the enemy. So when we fight Him, we, we've already, we, we come from a place of victory. How many of us like to go into a fight that they know they're going to lose? No one. How many of us do that with our spouse anyways? I don't know. We just do because we're dumb sometimes. I'm dumb all the times when it comes to that. But for the most part, you're not going to get engaged into a fight you know you're going to lose. Guess what? This is a fight that you can win. And it's already been won. All you have to do is claim it and walk in it. And follow the principles of it. And take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Jesus even said that. He said, I've given you what? The keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you may loose on earth will be loose in heaven. That's what I did before service. I bound up the principalities and the powers that are waging war. And I told them they had to flee out of this place. And I felt them things flee. We got to do that every day in our hearts and in our lives. We got to come to a place where friends where we're fighting because the Lord has called us as mighty warriors. Finally, final scripture, and then I'm going to end here. Romans chapter 8. We're going to read verse 31 through 37, and this is also in the Amplified. It's going to be up there for, for us if you want to read on the screens or you can follow along, you version or your Bible. Amen, hon. I'm there already. Beat you. Yeah. <laughs> Had it open. 
<laughs> I win. Yes. Okay. Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 37. Say amen when you get there. Amen. All right. See, you can, you can win already. See, just look up the screen. Say amen. So you win. All right. What then shall we say to all of this? What shall we say to all of the lies of the enemy? What shall we say to all the strongholds and bondages that come against us? What shall we say to all of this? You know what you can say to all of this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Who can be our foe if God is on our side? And then it gives a little bit of, you know, Psalm, that's actually out of Psalm 118, verse 6. He who did not withhold or spare even his own son, but gave him for us all, will he not also with him freely and graciously give us all of the things? He's asking a question, but we know the answer. So you can say yes. Don't you like it when you already know the answer? Yes. Who shall bring any charge against the God's elect when it is God who justifies? That is who put us in a right relationship to himself. Who can come forward and accuse or impeach those whom God has chosen? Will God, who acquits us, who is there to condemn us? Will Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who died, or rather, who was raised from the dead, who is at the right hand of God actually pleading as he intercedes for us? Who shall separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution or hunger or destitution or pearl or sword? Even as it is written, for thy sake we are put to death all day long as uh, we are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, say yet, amid or in all of these things we are more than conquerors and gain a surpassing victory through him who loves us. Or, in other words, overwhelming victory. We are more than conquerors, and we gain overwhelming victory. Say overwhelming victory. Okay, what, when you hear the word overwhelming victory, okay, friends, that's not you won by a one point. Okay, it's not a close match. Overwhelming victory is a blowout. Have you ever seen a blowout game? Have you ever watched it? It was like 42 to nothing. Friends, that's called overwhelming victory. That's called a blowout. Friends, Christ, when we're on his side, he defeated the enemy in as much so that it was a blowout. It was overwhelming victory. The enemy didn't even get to be able to score at all because when he won, friends, he put everything under his feet and he did it for us, for us to walk in victory. So when the Lord looks at you and you may see your own frailty, you may look at yourself and see your own shortcomings, the Lord looks at you and he says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Rise up, mighty warrior. Rise up. The Lord is with you. It's our identity in him. He loves us. He's for you. If God be for you, who can be against you? Stand your feet with me, if you will. I'm going to go back to Gideon just for one second. In Judges chapter 6, when Gideon, if you go back, I encourage you, if you, if you haven't, 
read the account of Gideon, please go back and read it. But when Gideon, when he fought against the enemy, when he fought against the Midianites, first off, he had too many soldiers. He had like 10,000. God said, it's too many. Took it down to 300. So there's 300 soldiers against a whole army. And when they fought the enemy, they made a war cry. And friends, when they made a war cry, the, the war cry brought such confusion to the enemy, it threw them into fear and confusion, and they began to kill themselves. And the Bible says that they had a torch in one hand. Some translations say a sword. When you actually look in the actual Hebrew, it was a trumpet. Because you don't have three hands. You have a torch. They didn't have a torch, a sword, and a trumpet. Because they together, they made a battle cry. They, they, they sounded the ram's horn. And when they did that, it threw the enemy into confusion. Friends, that's why it's so powerful when we get together and we worship our God. We're making a war cry against the enemy. This is a shofar. You may or may not have ever heard this or seen this before. Okay, this is a ram's horn. And this is what was sounded when they took up their stance and they, they made the loud blast. The cool thing about this is you look in the Old Testament, you look through the New Testament, this thing is referenced over and over. Actually, when Jesus comes back, the Bible says, it says, by, by the blast of the ram's horn and by the shout of the Lord, the angel of the Lord, he's going to blast the ram's horn. He's going to call his people back to him. It's the final trump. So not only is this something that sounds to bring victory over the enemy, it's going to gather us back to him. I'm going to sound this thing. And I want you to know when you hear this, I don't know about you, the first few times I've ever heard a shofar, man, I'd have goosebumps on top of goosebumps because there's a, something spiritually significant when this thing sounds. It's not like another instrument. It's like a holy weapon of war. I'm going to blast this thing. And as I blast this thing, I want you to know that the enemy is fighting against us, but we have overwhelming victory in Christ Jesus who is for us. And he calls you as a mighty warrior, and he's calling you to himself. And he wants you to know you can win. Whatever it is you're facing, whatever it is you're fighting. Some of us are fighting for sanity. Some of us are fighting for peace. Some of us are fighting for our families. Some of us are fighting against addiction and perversions. Victories is ours in Jesus. thank you father for the victory that you have won for us on the cross god we thank you that overwhelming victory is ours god we thank you that you have called us as mighty warriors god we thank you that lord jesus when you look at us 
God, the identity that we can have in you is greater than what we see in and of ourselves. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, we break every lie of the enemy. God, we thank you that we can walk with the mind of Christ. We can walk uprightly. God, we can walk, Father, Lord Jesus, in a place of victory. God, I thank you. Let every man and woman in this house, God, let us know the victory that we have in Christ Jesus. Lord, we say we love you. God, we want to live for you. Friends, I'm going to give you an opportunity here. I know this is, this is we're, we're done here, but you know what? If you are in a place, perhaps you've never committed, fully committed your heart to the Lord. We have an altar up here, and I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to invite you. If you're willing, if you're willing to take a step of faith, would you come? Would you come and lay yourself down at the altar, kneel or whatever, or stand at the altar? If you're struggling with something that you need victory over, would you come up today and say, God, I'm laying this at the altar today? This place is available for that. Can we have some of our prayer team? Can we have some of our pastors? I'd like to pray with some of our individuals here. We love you, Lord. We worship you. Jesus. We love you, God. Thank you, Father. It's always been you, Jesus. We love you, God. Be the center, God. Be the center of our hearts. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. We just want to give an opportunity for people to respond to God. This is a very, very important time. God for what you're doing up here, Lord. We say we love you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Jonas, would you come up? For those of us that are in here today, before you get dismissed, I'm going to go ahead and pray a blessing over you, and then we're going to allow our people at the altar to minister. So if you can stretch your hands out and just receive this blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious unto you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and may he give you peace in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Friends, God bless you. If you're a first or second time guest, make sure you greet Pastor Joy in the back. If not, happy Valentine's Day. Friends, enjoy the rest of your Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for joining with us today, guys.